It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Try the new L'Oreal Men Expert Power age range from Kimmer's Warehouse starting from 1954. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ, Wednesday the 28th of June. Jeez, we're nearly through June already. Coming up to July, a big good morning to you up there in Auckland. Tamaki Makoto, Kempi, Rickdale, Kez, Aroha, and everyone out there. Man, it was pouring down last night in the south. Wow, we. I thought we were going to blow it away and have another wee lake dag outside and forming, but uh, mate, there's plenty of rain going around. It's... Bad. I'm over it. I know plenty of you around the country are over it too. Big good morning to you, Ken P. Morena, Atamari, brother. Yes, mate, yeah, that rain's finally got down there. That was the one I was talking about yesterday. It's finally hit the South Island. Mm. I, I also got a, um, I got a, a WhatsApp message from our mate Joe and Gizzy yesterday showing me some of the roads, mate, over there on the way to work um, being cut off in all... Um, down there in, in the uh, Coast Road it is, I think I'm just looking for the road here, Coast Road uh, in Gisborne. Honestly, it looks like the whole countryside's moved and the road yep. has been chewed up. Oh, look, I feel real sorry for those those guys down on the East Coast. They're going through some torrid time and you're dead right that rain. Another one, another shot out from Murawai yesterday, they're calling it Lake Murawai, down by the golf course there, if everyone knows that, down in the car parks there, leading down to the beach. Um, at the bottom of the, at the of the golf course, is all all laked up again. So that rain that's coming through, it's atrocious here at the moment. If you don't think global warming's happening, seriously, yeah. go and headbutt yourself. 
um, <laughs> there's 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 there's, glo- there's global. Uh, mate, you just walk up. I don't know. I just have a, I, just have, a, I just have this mayday, and like we play first fifteen, and we're looking looking around the room. You know, we're first fifteen, and mm. used to always hear we had a really good good rugby team in Clifton. You know, Colin Cooper used to play for it. Um, they're good mate, good mate of the whānau, Colin Cooper, and um, we used to all think we want to play for Clifton. Rugby, you know, playing first fifteen. We had a mate in our rugby team, and we're me and Bruce, you know, Bull Sharrick. He was a captain of our first fifteen team. He's a real good player, Bull. Before he uh, he received a pass off a off a winger once, and it and it ruined his knee, mate. It was never the same. Um, he actually played for New Zealand Community All Blacks way back then. They used to call it. You know, when you used to pick a a team of community players and take them overseas. I think he travelled over to Canada back then. So he was he was he's a decent football anyway. Um, I digress, but we got away from the story. Sitting there in the change rooms, and we're getting teared up. We used to have these, we used to have these pylons in the middle of the of the change room. It was right underneath the science room. It was just an old storage room, and we'd converted it into a change room where Mr. Peter Peter Gaul used to be. Uh, Gaul, hopefully, Gaul he's listening because he'll piss his pants listening to this. And um, we're sitting there under the under the under the uh, science room in our change room, and the boys are cheating themselves up. I was never one, you know. When guys used to scream and yell, it used to make me laugh more than make me g up. So I just have to try and switch off. I was just the type of person I was, you know. And uh, I'd, I'd try and switch off, and I look around. And our front row is headbutting one of the pylons. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's exactly what I did. It's exactly I looked at Bruce. And anyway, he's caught the pylon wrong and he's looked at me and he's, he knocked himself out. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's gone all dazed. And I'm thinking, oh my God, mate, what are you doing? What are you doing? But yeah, that's how you headbutt oh. yourself. You get, one of the, you get one of those pylons and just, oh my just give yourself me. a butt. <laughs> oh, you cracked me up. I was sitting there going, okay, where's this going here? Okay, yep, bang. Oh, there's a pylon, so you might be headbutting that. Mate, absolutely love it. Story time. Okay. I was actually watching Clifton playing the other day on um, Grassroots Rugby. Beautiful blue colours there, and uh, they, they went down. But um, good to see them out there. Colin Cooper's their coach at the moment. You've got Mike Kainga playing for him. He played his 50th game. I played with Mikey Kainga back in the day. He played a bit of super, a bit of NPC. So the good old Clifton Rugby Club there on grassroots rugby. But no, it's horrible weather around there at the moment. Please take care of yourself, particularly in the Gisborne area. That is my home, particularly up in the North Hawke's Bay Gizzy. I haven't been back. I haven't been back since Cyclones. Now, I'm a little bit nervous because... Um, it's changed so much back in home, and, and it's going to be mind-blowing. When you head back, jump on that plane, you're flying in, there's going to be slips everywhere, lots of water. A place like Gizzy hasn't seen the sun since October, and it just it just can't continue on, and, and they are just over it, Ricardo. Like it's, and I know our listener, Joey from Gizzy, he's constantly sending me photos and he, little updates here. It's, I think it's a lot worse than people really uh, understand yeah, the, the, I've seen some photos, not from Joe, some other photos that were that were posted up about um, basically, you know, you get liquefaction with earthquakes. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, they're basically having the same because of the amount of water in the soil that the uh, the ground is actually liquefying, and that's why the roads are so bad mm. because there's nothing, you know, all that uh, the bedrock and the foundation's gone, um, so they're they're just on mush. 
and that's there. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy uh, to see. Hey, if any any boys are out there or, or ladies are out there at the moment, they're milking, which you know a lot of them are um, when they're listening to us first thing in the morning. What what does it actually mean to you? Give us a give us a text on double eight double three when that that uh, that water level is so high. You know, I know that, I know there's plenty of grass around, um, you know, that, and that's one of the things that they always worry about. But what about the amount of water that's in the in the ground? What does that actually mean for milking? You know, when you're getting your cows mm. and you're moving them around, because you know we know a lot of our listeners they're out there at the moment. They'll be in their sheds um, milking. Does, does it make your job harder you know, going out there and having to fix things, or make, does it make the ground worse and the grass worse? Well, what what does it actually do? Shifting cattle is going to be tougher, right? Because they've got to, it's going mm. to be that much boggy. It's going to be that that much harder to shift cattle. It's a big great fun on a motorbike. <laughs> It'd be good fun on the motorbike. I think it's more about the pasture uh, regeneration. You know, like growing your your paddocks and trying to keep them fed. At the moment, it's too wet. You're not getting any sun, so you're not going to get any growth. Anyway, you expect that in winter, so they'll be prepared for that. But this is going to be a long winter. This is going to be a long winter. And down here, we I think it was about a year ago or two years ago, we had a horrific winter, and it rained non-stop for like three weeks. That's why I formed all these bloody lakes around me. We've got the drainage in there now, but... Um, Mate, she's pretty crazy times, lads. So take care of yourselves, look after yourselves. We've got a big show coming up, though, don't we, lads? We've got Jerome Kano after 7 o'clock. I've finally tracked him down. He's a hard man to get at the best of times. He's been busy with World Cup duties over there with a couple of big names. All the Rugby World Cup winners have been over in France celebrating, and he's also been a part of Toulouse beating La Rochelle in the French Top 14. So looking forward to having a catch-up with him. And when we got... Uh, 7.40, we've got learnings with Big, the rig, Ben Robb. He's a darts player, New Zealand professionals darts player, and we're going to have a catch-up with him and, and learn a lot about darts and how we can get involved. And then after 8, the All Blacks New Jersey has been launched today, so hopefully we can catch up with someone, one of the players up there in the north. So a big show for us today, lads. Yeah, lots coming up, mate, lots coming up. And uh, there's also... Um I, I thought I'd uh, just just put this out there, boys. Um, there's also uh, a lot of news coming out uh, around uh, the Cricket World Cup as well, because of course we've got the Ashes, second test of the Ashes starting soon. But they've just uh, this is the BCCI because they're, they're co-hosting with Pakistan, mm. and you know uh, India and Pakistan love each other so much. Um, the last two World Cups, <laughs> the fixtures and everything have been rolled out twelve months before. Well, we're only a couple of months out. They've finally decided on where some of the games are going to be. And even then, it's like, oh, India, if India make a semi-final, they're going to host it in Mumbai. Unless they're playing Pakistan, then they're going to play it in Karachi. It's like, mate, honestly, it's like Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. India, Pakistan, <laughs> is that, they've got a Almabadabad, is it? Is that how you say it? I don't know. Oh, mate, I'm the worst one to say it. I can't again? even say scoot or shooter. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that Cricket World Cup, it's pretty exciting. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the Ashes, actually, Rick, uh, kicking off tomorrow, You know, and whether or not England can come back and bounce back from that first uh, first test loss. It should be it should be pretty good viewing, given the, given the fact that how both teams took, a, a I guess, a a stand and, and really put the acid on each other by Baz declaring in that first day and, and Australia having to battle back and then, you know, get, went right down to, you know, just a few overs and a few balls that catch, or should I say that drop catch by Ben Stokes in that last innings, you know. It has, it's it's sort of Netflix movie stuff again, isn't it? It's looking that way. Yeah, a meta bad. A meta bag. Bad. 
bad. <laughs> I think a, it made, a, made a few bags. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it made a bag of something you pick up at the Dolce & Gabbana store, isn't it? It's uh, <laughs> to, to, to go with your Ameda suitcase. Um, but no, that's um, so yeah, we'll be talking a bit about that as well as some news actually out of the ashes that I'll bring you when we do the heads a little bit later on. But boys, I, I think it's about time we hit this. If Kez is Can't ready. wait question <laughs> of the day. <laughs> On Tony Kemp timing today, boys. Yeah. <laughs> I just waited till uh, Kez was on the other PC before I threw to that. So he's like, oh, sh- oh, oh. Ah. Uh, can't wait question of the day. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, um, the wide receiver, has played a lot of the Texans. Uh, he's actually a free agent at the moment, but that's not the story. The story is that every time he scores a touchdown, he finds his mum in the stadium because she's always got good seats, right? And uh, she lost her sight. She's blind. She's been blind for 17 years. So every time he scores a touchdown, he goes over and finds her and gives her the touchdown ball, which is a great tradition, a great way of celebrating your touchdown. Uh, so I thought, I can't wait question of the day, boys, should be, what's the best celebration in sport when someone scored? Ooh. Ooh. NFL, they've always got some, some doozies over in the NFL. That's a, that's a lovely touch from DeAndre Hopkins. And where's he going to go? I think that's a, that's a question there. Like he's, mate, he's, he's, he's got a still quality. Yeah. Texans let him go. He, he went, where did he go after the Texans? Uh, he went somewhere else. And he then did. Oh, that's a great they question. They released. But uh, whoever picks him up, they'll be, he'll be fine. Uh, I'd say Odell Beckham. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'll go Gronk, the Gronk smash. Yes. Rob Gronkowski, every time he gets it, he just smashes the ball into the ground. So I'd probably go Rob Gronkowski, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Cam Newton. Cam Newton. I don't know if you remember Cam Newton. He played yeah. Panthers quarterback. Every time he got through, he'd rip over his chest like he was Superman. <laughs> that was probably one of my favorites. That so anyone in the dull. NFL really enjoyed that one. What about you, Kempi? Oh, yep. Uh, man, I'm going to go back to the old days, the old days of the Warriors. I'll go back to Henry Fafili, who oh, uh, yes. would always go down and come up with, I don't know, maybe, I don't even know whether or not he practiced these, but we'd get there to the game um, and he'd score a couple of tries and he'd come up. The one I really liked was the, the Robin Hood one, the bow and arrow. We'd get down on one knee and mm. pull the arrow out of the, out of the slot and pull it back and just fire it. I thought that was a pretty... Pretty cool one from Hens, um, but he came up with a number of number ones. And in the NRL, I think that really took off the bowling ball. That one where they bowled the you know, players <laughs> couldn't try. They bowled the ball, and the players all skittled over. Um, I, I, I enjoy that sort of stuff. I think it's entertainment. You know, when blokes are, blokes are celebrating uh, scoring a try. You just thought of telling Rick yesterday, is he that? Um, mate, mm. I could hear my mum. My mum. We're talking about mums, you know, and and. Of course, Hopkins running up and kissing his mum. I could hear my mum, mate, on the field. I, I couldn't run further enough away from her. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew that after the game, I'd have to go into the aftermatch function and she'd be there. And everyone would always say to me, is that your mum? Is that your mum? And then I was like, yeah, I could hear her too, mate. Yeah. Like, and she used to be one of those Ow. mums. You know those mums that run into the ring? Have you seen that? Who's the mother that run in the ring with a, the with a bag and hit the boxer? I don't know. Well, that was my mum. Right. My mum would give it to blokes. Absolutely. <laughs> Get off him. Don't leave him alone. Like all that sort of Can you imagine a rugby league player hearing your mum saying that? that? 
I, 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 think, I think I told this a little while ago when we were talking about playing it. When I was talking about uh, the, the the heights of my rugby league career at the, at the Howard Hornets, uh, but we had we had, a, we had a, it is it all in brawl against Glenfield, and uh, there's like Aaron Aaron Hutchison, Aaron Hutchison, who was our hooker. His mum Delilah. Big Sam my lady comes running on the field with her umbrella and just starts cocking in the players with her umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, did more, she did more damage mum. on her own than the other 13 of us, I think. <laughs> oh, passion. Passion from mums and dads, mate. My mum was... She wasn't as vocal as my old man. He was as loud as anything. Oh, he used to fire me up, old Pete. But anyway, uh, but just, just on that celebrations, lads, over in America... It is it is celebrated. You know, people love it. It is entertainment, like you spoke about, Kimpy. But over here, it's frowned upon. And, and what's your take on that? Like when when players score tries here, you know, Rico Iwani is a big example of it at the moment. He's mm. got his own celebration. Um, but people in New Zealand see it as arrogance. Yep. They see it as cockiness and 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 not being humble. Like that's just the reality of New Zealand. And whereas in the north. Look at us, we're talking about these wonderful celebrations, people showing their personalities and, and, you know, people are talking about it so it's making a difference, but here it's seen differently. Yeah, it is seen a bit differently, I I, I think, which is disappointing really because I think you shouldn't Mm. celebrate success. Like, you know, I get not wanting people to be pork chops, but there's a difference between celebrating something awesome and being a pork chop. I I think it's a good opportunity to talk about tall poppy syndrome, you know. Like, New Zealand's really bad for it. Um, Mm. And you know, instead of celebrating something, because it is a celebration, like you score a try, depending on where mm. where where it is, what time of the game it is. Of course, players are full of emotion and they want to they want to come up with a celebration. Mate, that 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 year that um, Hen started doing it, Henry Fofili used to do it. It became like a it was a virus. It went through the competition. Mm. There's a couple of texts in here saying Piggy Riddell when he he jumped over the over the. Um, the stands and and I think it was Wollongong actually they he scored a try he ran and jumped over the stand I don't know if you've ever seen it as he jumped over the stand sat in the crowd and clapped clapped <laughs> himself for scoring his own the try. try you know <laughs> and, and just for guys to think like that think I was, I thought geez that's really that's really clever um, mate I'm I'm all for it I think I think if players you know depending on the time and and when the the time of the game is, and they get up and they want to celebrate, mm. and players want to celebrate with them. Then they're celebrating something that I guess everyone thought was pretty cool. Um, and we should be knocking them for that, you know, saying they're arrogant and. But they know, do, Kimpy. But they do. Yeah, I know, you know everyone, and, and everyone that, out there, I'd, I'd love to hear if if Kimpy scored a try and he started doing a backwards flip along the dead ball line and and you know showboating them a little bit or, or anything. If our day, our All Blacks today scored a try. One of them scored an awesome, amazing individual try or great team effort, and there was a little bit of celebration behind the sticks. How would you feel? Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred, one five oh eight eleven. Would love to hear from you because it's something that we've been shy of doing because of the backlash in previous years. Is the changing the guard? Are we changing our thoughts now? What's your best Is, celebration? Are we evolving with the times? What's your best one? Awesome. Nah, nothing. I'll just throw the ball up. <laughs> That's it. Pretty simple. Throw the ball. I'm trying to remember who it was. There was there was a, one of the um, wide receivers in the NFL who used to get the ball and he would run all the way past the dead ball line up into the stands and then slam dunk it like he'd slam dunk it like basketball over the stand. 
Yeah, that would, uh, oh, oh, I can't remember who that was, but that was that was a good one. Uh, a couple of texts through about the uh, Piggy Riddell um, from uh, Pat. He said, I think it was Riddell for St. George, scored, jumped in the stand, started applauding himself. I've had that one through from Alvin as well. That one's obviously stuck with a few people in Cam and Cambridge as well. And this one, actually, I was going to bring this up because there's a guy that gets accused of arrogance by New Zealanders a lot, but Israel Adesanya, when he knocked mm. out Alex Pereira, in his last fight to, to get his belt back. Love it. And he just stood there pretending to do the bow and arrow and puh, puh, mm. puh, and yeah. shot him three times as he lay knocked out there's on a, the There's ground. a guy who did it on the weekend, did exactly the same. So he pulled uh, Israel Adesanya's celebration out and did the same thing. So it, it's obviously um, stuck in the mind of people. I think as I think Izzy um, Adesanya, his celebrations are second to none, mate. Especially his dancing, like coming in. Mm. Like he celebrates before the fight, not not just after it. <laughs> he does, he does. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. Uh, that is a can't wait, wait question of the day. The best celebration in sport. It is six twenty three here on Izzy and Kempy for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. You're listening to Izzy and Kempy for breakfast on SENZ. It's six twenty seven. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven double eight double three. Keep them coming through. Brian from Christchurch, guys. There's enough pork chops on the radio without players doing it. Love it. Mate, Love I it. hope the sun comes out down there in Christchurch, mate. Oh, Brian gets a smile on his face. <laughs> Actually, I listened to Brian one Saturday come on the show on a show, and I was thinking, that's not Brian. He sounds happy. He was chirpy. It was. It was after the Crusaders beat the Blues. Oh, that'll that'll oh, help. Help. Um, <laughs> this one from Cam actually. This is interesting. Do we reckon it's a big difference celebrating before we score and put the ball down than after we put it down and celebrate? I love a celebration, but only after we've put the ball down and scored. Is he? Have you ever cocked that up? Of course I have. You know, you just went straight into that, didn't you? Yes. Yes. I, ne- I never cocked it up, but I came close to going dead. So, yes, put the ball down and then you can. Go through your routine, something they've rehearsed in the clubs, in the in the nightclubs, or at home, in your hotel room. Put the ball down first, and then you have your chance to celebrate. Uh, Brendan Lady, the chainsaw from Otago, used to pull the chainsaw when he scored. That's that's a throwback. I like that one. Uh, Tito uh, Tito Ortiz of the UFC would pretend to dig a grave when he won. A little bit dark. A little bit dark. (laughs) Some of them are pretty ruthless, aren't they? Uh, Steve well, from the, w, the WWE were big on celebrations too, weren't they? Oh, I was going to say, Steve from the Nackies just said one through about uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. He, he would actually just get, grab a beer, smash it, uh, like chug it, and then smash the can on his head after, he, after he'd won. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a Taranaki thing. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, keep them coming through. Double eight, double three, the, uh, the best. Uh, the best sporting celebrations. That's what we want to hear uh, from you about. Marcus said, morning, boys. In the NRL back in the day, you'd get a high five or maybe a pat on the back. Now, thanks to those bloody Panthers, you get people seeing who can dive the highest onto their mate's shoulders. It's a bit over the top, that one from Mark. Well, you know, that's. I guess there's, that, there's always that danger that you can celebrate too hard and injure somebody or yourself. There's been a few yeah. of those. There's been a few of those injuries um, from celebrating at the... At, after a a, a, a tries me scored and they're jumping up, um, that one that one when you jump, I often think that too when they come in the Panthers. I, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of that one. I think that's really dangerous. But when they jump up, that that little pod moves 
as they're jumping in the air because you're not going to go anywhere, are you? If they move, you'll go straight past them. I can't wait till that happens because I think that'll be a great celebration. It'll be hilarious. I'll tell you, there was one that got a uh, guy in trouble. This is going back a few years, probably about 10 years in the Premier League. There was a guy called Jimmy Bullard who played for Hull City and they had played Man City, I think it was, and got absolutely toweled up in the first half. They were like 5-0 down at half time or something. The coach didn't let them go into the change rooms. He made them sit on the field in a circle at half for the whole of half time and stood there giving them the finger going round and going pointing at them all and shouting at them all. Right? So that was so that happened. And then the next time Jimmy Bullard scored, that's how the team celebrated. They all sat in a circle around him and he gave, he wagged the finger at them all. <laughs> Yeah, boy, that's a good one. <laughs> it depends on your makeup and your coaching group, really. If you've got a coach that will allow you to show your personality, do it. But make sure, maybe go and ask before you go and do it. I'll, yeah, I learned the hard way with Steve Henson, and uh, he wasn't the one for celebrations, so you just got to understand. But I, I like it, mate. Sure, but it'd be a personality. But it, yeah, it's I don't know. It's just we just get all uh, uh, uptight and and everything like that about. People celebrating. Show your personality. Chill out, relax, enjoy it. Celebrate mm. a moment. Celebrate a moment. That's what mm. I say. Yeah, good stuff. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three is the temper and bedpost text line. And uh, you keep those coming through. We'll get to more of those after the latest in news and sport with Araha. Thanks to Kubota, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Ah, yeah, gotta love it. Superstitious, superstitions in sport. Is that part of the reason people don't necessarily always like you celebrating? That's what we're talking about, best celebrations in sport. Keep your texts coming through, double eight, double three. We'll get to those shortly. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Some headlines for you. Izzy, you'll be interested in this. South African fly half, Hondre Pollard, is going to miss the entire rugby championship with a calf injury. As director of rugby, Rassi Erasmus concedes the loss of his first choice, number 10, was a worry ahead of the World Cup in France in September. Pollard was instrumental for the box when they were crowned world champions for the third time in Japan four years ago. And his absence for their title defence would be a massive blow. Erasmus is hopeful he will return for warm-up fixtures against Wales and New Zealand in August. But he said, Handre is a bit of a worry. It's a tricky situation because it's a calf injury that he is re-injured. And a re-injury is always making us a bit more nervous. Mm. Better news for the box is that uh, Damien Willemser, who can cover fly half mm. centre and fullback, is back. Mani Libic and Elton Yanchis are the other two in the squad who can play 10, but all three lack the precise boot of Pollard and are better with ball in hand, and that doesn't necessarily suit the box style. Pollard is going to sit out the entire rugby championship alongside Sia Khaleesi, who is still recovering from a knee injury. Those are pretty big blows for the for the Saffirs come the rugby championship, aren't they? Unlucky. Yeah, huge blows. Sia Khaleesi is a big one. Obviously the inspirational leader, but with Andre, Andre Pollard... He's got time. We've still got a lot of time before the World Cup, and it's probably smart they're resting him to allow him to get back if he's not available. William Sutt is pretty good to fill in as well, but not Andre. He's got a lot of class. He's experienced at the World Cup as well, which counts for a lot. 
does, it does. Uh, now, Brisbane Broncos fullback Reese Walsh has been found guilty of being a pork chop. Uh, oh, actually, they, they call it being guilty of uh, contrary conduct at the NRL Judiciary on Tuesday evening. He's been cited by the NRL's match committee after the loss to the Titans for alleged verbal abuse of referee Chris Butler. The Judiciary have found him guilty and given him a three-match suspension as a result. The star fullback pled not guilty, so he wasn't eligible for his one-week discount. The suspension rules a matter of this week's clash with the Dolphins, as well as State of Origin 3 and the game in round 20 against the Bulldogs, appearing alongside uh, Nick Gaber. Walsh appeared in front of a judiciary panel that included former Penrith Panther forward Tony Pugliatua, former referee Sean Hampstead, and judiciary chairman Justice Jeffrey Bellew. Three weeks, does that feel a bit right? Does it feel a bit light? I thought it was light, me personally. Um, mm. Good to hear about Tony Pugliatua still giving it back. The... the uh, the other hair bear, along with Joe Nolivelle, obviously got that uh, that premiership. They beat us in that major semi back in 2003, picked it up, Penrith. Um, but yeah, look, I thought he got off a bit light. It was really interesting reading that about uh, Pat Carrigan and David Fafita saying that their the words were directed at them and that the, judi- the judicial um, actually sat there and thought, yeah, no, that doesn't actually sound oh, right. Your state of origin buddy <laughs> saying it never happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do we leave that? Mm. Yeah, so I, oh. look, I thought I thought four weeks. You'd get between four to six weeks. It was a pretty uh, serious. Uh, what did they call that? As a, what was the charge? A contrary conduct. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought it was a minimum of four weeks, but I think he got off light with three weeks. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, what about can can be the situation with Reese Walsh? Um, like we lo- we love our personalities and, and players that bring so much flair into the game, but he's he's kind of has he lost his way a little bit? I know there were some big comments yesterday. The real ego rain check for Reese Walsh. I think it was Andrew Webster. Someone came on. I was reading some uh, a quote on air. Don't quote me on that, but um, yeah, about him, he's just lost his way, and maybe the the carry on from New South Wales towards Reese Walsh in Queensland was justified. Well, I, th- I think it, it goes further back than that. If you remember back here and the carry-on on the sideline at the Warriors in their last game last year where he was demanding yeah. Stacey to let him back on the football field, um, mm. it's sort of he's had that make-up uh, in and around that type of behaviour. And I, I dare say that he's been sat down by the Broncos and you know he'd pro- we're probably hearing about the ju- judicial part of it, but he'd, he'd cop a fine um, and they wouldn't want that to be a part of going forward if they're a chance of making the finals you know the way especially the way that they lost the last eight games last year and missed out so uh, I, I think it's a good, it's a good to, good timing it's a good thing for him at the um, right now to, to get it dealt with and hopefully he's learned from this because on the back of the Jerome Luai thing he's actually come off worse mm. you know Jerome Luai stood over players and 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 sent out that tweet. Uh, mm. Where where he's you know he's he said some some incorrigible words, but the the other part with Reese Walsh is that he's gone out on the back of it and and got himself suspended for three weeks. Um, I I just think that the the Broncos really need to come down hard on this and deal with it because it is the part of the of his game and he is going to be a great mm. great player that's actually ruining the ruining ruining it for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. nicely summed up, Kempi. Uh, those are your sports news headlines. Uh, thanks to trades and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Of course, keep your texts coming through double eight double three. Temper bedpost text machine. Temper and bedpost range of mattresses. And adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. A uh, couple through here. What about Anthony Mundine's backflip in the old Winfield Cup or the, uh, yeah, cele- the uh, Jeff Wilson Superman dive celebration as yeah. well? 
That one's up there. Mundine. Mundine. I was thinking of Mundine. I was like, who's that boxer? That Sonny Angs? I was like, Mundine. Yes, he came through, Dean. He did. Appreciate, appreciate that. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and always been partial to Alan Shearer, who raised his an open palm and then ran around in his goal celebration. Also, Brian Young took a slip catch and then put the ball back, <laughs> put the ball straight in his pocket. Ice cold. That one from Roy. And uh, we were talking about cows and milking, or Kempy was at least. And uh, we've had a text come through from Rubes and Manawatu on this Kempy. Read the cows in the mud. When the ground is waterlogged, the cows' feet sink down in the ground and the damaged mm. and damage the grassroot structure, which makes the paddock worse than Swiss cheese and means it won't grow as much. So you lose about 50% of the grass. Wow. The cows also get mud on their teats, which means you have to wash them before milking can start because the mud can cause mastitis if bugs are in the soil. Can't get tractors in the paddocks to get feed out either. It's bloody stressful. Rubes and Manawatu, thanks for your text, and I hope you're uh, you're okay, brother, and you're not having to deal with too much yeah, of that. Big shout out to all the boys out there at the at the moment. You know, it's so a big time of the year for them um, out there in in Dairyland. And um, geez, yeah, so you don't even think about that, do you? You know, nah. they got so nah. so much more extra work because of the rain. Uh, it's not just the roads that are being affected; it's our 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 dairy produce as well. There you go. Uh, keep your text rolling through, double eight, double three. On that, and on the best uh, celebrations in sport as well. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, we'll come back with some more of those. But up next, it is your chance to win $50 worth of TAB bonus bets. $50 TAB bonus bet, 0800 150811. And take on the Quizmaster, the man that never celebrates too early, Israel Dag. <laughs> No matter what you ask me, try and play the quiz, things won't get nasty. Get up, stand up, come and throw your hands up. If you got the feeling, get the phone's lights ringing. Came to get paid, we came to get paid. So get on your phones and dial now. Call now, 0800. Call now, 150. Call now, 811. Call now, call now and get paid. Hey, 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 hey. All right, let's get someone paid. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. We're going to go to Christchurch. John, good morning. Hey, how are you, mate? I'm good, my friend. I'm very, very good. Uh, looking forward to getting you paid, hopefully, my friend. So good luck. Question number one. Which player has returned from suspension to the Warriors squad for Rabbitohs Friday night? Uh, Bang. Right on the money. He is back. Question number two. Where are the White Ferns currently touring? Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Question number three. Manchester Manchester United. (laughs) Manchester United (laughs) owners, the Glazer family, own which NFL franchise? Uh, I have... No, well, I've heard it, but I can't think of it. I'll go uh, just the uh, uh, Eagles. Philly Eagles, incorrect. Sorry, John. Have a good day, mate. Caleb from Manawatu. Morning. Oh, good morning, fellas. How are we? Morena. Thank you. Good, thank you. you got a clue, too, if you get a little bit stuck from Kempe. Manchester United owners, the Glazer family, own which NFL franchise? Oh, they'll be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
That is the Tampa Bay Bucks. Question number four. The Black Caps play who in the opening game of the ODI World Cup? England. Wow. Bang. He's on. Here we go. Let's get you paid. Question number five. Who was the top point scorer at the 2011 Rugby World Cup? Any of our first fives, they were dropped like flies. Um, <laughs> this is a crazy stat. Seafood Mornay. <laughs> um, uh, Yashvili from France. Yashvili? <laughs> Ooh, no. Ooh. No, this, that, mate, this is a great, a great question because to think he got most points and they bundled out. <laughs> No, it wasn't. Sorry, Caleb. So we'll be back tomorrow. That'll be our first question. Sorry, buddy. 100 bucks tomorrow. It's jackpotting to a hundy. And the first uh, question tomorrow will be that last question. Who was the top point scorer at the 2011 Rugby World Cup? Great question, Rick Dog. Thank you, mate. Thank you. I I, I was torn between that one and who scored Mm. the first try of the 2011 Rugby World Cup. <laughs> save that one. Don't put that in. Don't put save that, in. that one. Oh, okay, we'll save that one. I should, save, save I should have passed it. Should have passed it. There's <laughs> no chance I was letting that go. Oh, too good. Too good. Keep your text rolling through two double eight double three. Uh Piggy Riddell scoring the try in the NRL, jumping the fence in the stand, sitting in the six, clapping his own try from Feast. That's the fifth time we've had that feast. That is a great text. Uh is obviously mm. a fantastic uh it's stuck in so many people's minds because it's just such a cheeky way. Of, of celebrating uh, your own try. So keep them coming through, double eight, double three. We'll get to more of those shortly. Up next, though, Kempe, love racing at nine away from seven. Only Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Yeah, it's five minutes away from seven o'clock. Call us anytime, 0800 150 811. It's time for your love racing update. Find a thoroughbred race day at events.loveracing. .nz. It's not often connections going to boost in confidence on the back of an unplaced run, but trainer Andrew Fallsman is certainly looking ahead to the spring with rising six-year-old Aegon following his recent Hong Kong travels. He said on Tuesday that Aegon is currently in training at uh, McDonald Lodge, preparing to take a different path through Melbourne Spring Carnival following a strong performance to run fifth in the Champions Mile in Hong Kong. He finished about four lengths shy of superstar winner Golden 60. You know who Golden 60 is? is? We'll have to ask Alan mm. Sharrick about that who's currently rated the second best horse in the world this year behind the Japanese star Equinox. We were very happy with how he went over there in Hong Kong and James commented afterwards that the horse is looking for further so we're going to base his campaign around that. He's only tried once over a mile and a quarter and uh, before the Zabil Classic in 21 and he had no luck at all as he has never got a crack at them. The Cox Plate is the ultimate and would love to get there if he can run out the 2,000 metres. But something like the Turnbull Stakes would be a suitable race to try him. A win of the Group 1 New Zealand Guineas. Of course, Aegon has six career victories from his 90 starts and earnings and beyond 1.5 million, meaning the future on the track is restricted to the elite level. Forsman said 
other season, Group 1, um, Thousands get his place to get a she's lickety split. Could also return to Australia after a long spell, following two disappointing runs in Melbourne over the autumn. She's at home and back in work, so that's good stuff for lickety split. And also Group 1 Mayor Mustang Valley. She's a little bit worried about that one because she loves the rain. She could come up against our one. Just ask me. We'll also start her spring campaign here in New Zealand before she makes her way across to Melbourne once again. Full of sincerity is starting off her spring preparations uh, and Forsman looks to give the horse a chance in some spring staying races. He's a derby place getter, so he's qualified for a few races in the spring. But it's never going to be easy out on your own age group. So uh, there's a little update about Andrew Forsman. We know what a champion uh, trainer he is, so we'll be following a couple of his this year. also spoke to Stephen Marsh yesterday about racing today down at Ooh. Cambridge Synthetic. We'll Come talk, on, Kempe. We'll talk to Paulie Mawadi as well, because he'll have something for us. Um, and there's a couple here that he likes tomorrow. We're going to go... I think each way, uh, Jamaican farewell in the first race, he thinks is a, is a decent bet. Uh, he really likes the one here in race seven called Pokuru um, Show. It's a, it's a short favourite of Mark Walker's. has got money uh, grills on it. Uh, pay the bills. Craig Grills is, is the jockey. It's paying $2.40. And his best of the day in race six is... Number one has to be fast. Um, paying decent multi if you multi those three up. Uh, Pokuru uh, Show has to be fast. And Jamaican Farewell are the three that Marshy Light running around in Cambridge Synthetic uh, today. So uh, don't forget, gamble responsibly, R18, if you are heading down there. We've got plenty of racing as well this week. Um, obviously heading tomorrow at Rickerton on Friday there's uh, no racing and said they a big weekend of racing once again and we'll have plenty for you uh, coming up to them. But that's our Love Racing update uh, for you, everyone today. Don't forget, grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Nice, Kempe. Nice. A uh, few a few texts come through. Double eight, double three. Morning, boys. Really re- pleased to see Walsh Coppet. His performance was very similar to the class clown. And own up to it as well. Don't deny it. You only have so much time on the stage. Be remembered for the right reasons, not for being something you're not very good at. A clown. That is from Kevin from <laughs> Titarangi. Thanks, Kev. Tell us what you really think. Tell you who agrees with you. The rugby league mole said arrogance and no accountability. Justice done. Here's Araha with the latest in news. To Chemist Warehouse and find Neutralife Magnesium Complete Forte 120 capsules for only $19.99. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ.
Good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ, just after 7 o'clock, a big couple of hours coming up, Jerome Kano, we're going to catch up with our past All Blacks on their overseas experience, he's been over there for a few years, I'm pretty sure he's fluent French, so looking forward to catching up with him, and then Ben Robb, New Zealand professional darts player, we've got our learnings for a Wednesday, and uh, we're going to be learning a lot about darts, so looking forward to chatting there, and then after 8, the All Blacks hopefully uh, the jersey launched today, their new jersey. Well, we know it'll be black. If there's going to be any other changes, we'll see and we'll hear from someone later on in the show. Double eight, double three, temper bedpost text machine. A couple of messages coming through in regards to some celebrations. I liked when he cracked open the coconut. That was probably Henry Fa'afili. Chris has messaged that one through. And Nani's goal celebration. At Manchester United, another one there from Chris. A couple of good celebrations coming through, and just a simple but effective one here from Cam from Blenheim. Fins up. Fins up. It's always a good Tasman-led celebration from all past players. Wherever they are around the globe, they love throwing up the fins up. So appreciate that. And then is on Monday. Didn't you criticise the Chiefs for celebrating that disallowed try while highlighting that the Crusaders just turned around and got on with it? Mulu Paul. Um, I don't think so, but I could be wrong. But I don't think so. I would have. I, I don't know if they would have celebrated that um, that moment. So, uh, uh, yeah. Look, you've obviously. What about raises dance? That's got to be up there. Oh, <laughs> that'll be. Don't no. Nah, we'll, we'll put it behind us, right? Won't we? We'll put it behind us. Okay, <laughs> we'll we stop now because because Mulu Paul is continuing on that chat. It is Wednesday. Come on, Paul. And right now we're going to cross over to the France and catch up with our next guest, Kempi. Who we got? Yes, we've got, uh, oh, he's an absolute legend, and he played on the side of the scrum, Jerome Kano, who's uh, played plenty of times for the All Blacks. He's now up at Toulouse as a skills coach and uh, doing a very good job up there too, just winning a, another trophy. How are you, Jerome? How's things, uh, what is it, night time up there? Good evening, mate. How are you? Hey, brothers. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, good. The weather's, uh, the weather's pumping up over here, so it's, uh, it's a good time of year. Mate, you've been you found some waves because you've been AWOL for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> no, mate. <laughs> I uh, had a double header. I got my academy team, which won the French competition, and then a week later, I had uh, our top team win it. So um, I had to go AWOL for a couple of couple of weeks, just uh, celebrating. Oh, Jerome, you're a good man, mate. I was, I was lucky enough to catch up with you over there, so no doubt you'll be hunkering down now, mate, doing your family duties. But also, you caught up with a couple of past Rugby World Cup winners. What, what was going on there? Yeah, man, there were, um, the Media Olympic, the local, uh, the French uh, magazine here, they were celebrating their 70th year. And uh, it being a World Cup year, they just wanted to invite a couple of World Cup winners to the awards night that they have. Uh, so it was awesome to catch up with Rito, uh, DC, and, and Snakey. <laughs> so it was good, uh, amongst other other legends like legends like uh, Francois Pina, um, Nick Far Jones, nice. John Eels. So it was incredible. Where are all the French World Cup winners? There is some. <laughs> Sad. Oh. Hey, Jerome, what about what about that? You know, like uh, as he's come back from his his donut up there for a month, and he's talked about how 
I guess, excited the French are. You, you're real close to the action, you know. You're with the, the top players. You've got under-21 players and family and friends. How are the French um, – how excited are they about the World Cup coming up there? Yeah, it's starting to gain some momentum here. Like, uh, normally the the stadiums are pretty fanatical with supporters and uh, really loud. But uh, I think come World Cup time, that's just going to amplify. Um, I was lucky enough to be a part of our final the other week. And uh, when they sung the national anthem before the final, that was pretty crazy. But I could imagine what it's going to be like September 8th for that first All Black game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be incredible. Well, Jerome, you've got a real close you know, close look at, at Toulouse, the club. You know, very, very successful club in their own rights. You've been there and, you know, they've got a lot of uh, respect for what you've done for the club as well, mate. What makes this club so successful from from the outside looking in? You don't really understand what's involved, but once I, I got to chat to you boys and seen the success and the way you got it done over La Rochelle, another title, mate. Yeah. Oh, I think uh, the the first thing that hit me when I arrived in Toulouse uh, at the club was just the history that the club has um, goes back years. Like you, you name a lot of the French legends that played in the, the French team, and a lot of them played for Toulouse. But uh, I think their DNA is a lot different to a lot of the other uh, French clubs. Like they they really enjoy a drink with uh, uh, off the field, like enjoying. Uh, the team environment, but also on the field, they work pretty hard. But um, I think when you arrive, you can feel the history, the the, the successful history, and uh, to be here is not enough. To yeah, I think you have to work pretty hard to be able to gain the respect of the public and also the 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 older legends who who wore the jersey before. But um, yeah, I think it's a. I, I had a kind of similar feeling when. Like us, when we joined the All Blacks, like making the team's not enough. Like you gotta, when you get on the field, you gotta make sure that you uh, fill that jersey. And talking about <clears throat> talking about that, Jay, you know, like you've got you've got um, this question down here. It always raises its head this this time of year when the All Blacks come together about who who is our best back row. You know, like who is our six, our seven, our eight. And you probably get asked that question a lot um, up there. Where do you think the All Blacks should go? In and around those Lucys. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, I get that asked a lot, but uh, like for me, it's. Uh, I think they need to look at the combination that they want to create within that loose trio or within whatever combination they want to make. Because uh, when I went into the All Blacks, I had uh, man JC before me, Sione Lawaki, Mosi Tuili'i, uh, Ruben Thorne. I had a lot of guys who played a different type of game, but also were legends in their own right. But when mm-hmm. I came in, I was always compared to Jerry. Uh, I picked a bit of what he did well, but I also wanted to pave my own way and make my own identity in the jersey so I think um, what's important for the All Blacks is that make they look at what uh, it's going to work for their team and not look for the next Richie McCaw or Jerome Cano or Kieran Reid I think they just need to look at what's going to be fit best and let those players make their own path or make their own way through the jersey because it's, uh, it's pretty annoying when you're always compared to someone else or someone that's gone before and uh, yep. like we've got a lot of talent in New Zealand, and I think it's uh, 
it'll just unleash them when we just let them be free and and uh, find their own feet. Yeah, it's always t- difficult, isn't it? Like everyone's all the conversations the last couple of years mm. is who is their next Jerome Kano? But you pretty much nailed it there. They've got to come out and make their jersey their own. Everyone's different in their own right and has different skill sets. Take little bits away from your game, particularly the physicality. And I think that's the big question now, Jerome, is heading north. We've picked our squad. You you know what French rugby is like, and I know your heart is in the All Blacks corner going over to France. Mm. How do the All Blacks have to play to be able to compete with the France and the Irish? Um, no, I, I know as a team, I know we've got the goods to be able to come over here and win it. But mm. I think we just, uh, for, for our young team, especially outside of our starting 15, we've got a lot of young guys who probably haven't really been tested under pressure in a real pressure environment. And when they come over here, the like, they environments the atmosphere they'll feel in Stade de France is going to be it's going to be up there with the best so I think mentally mm. that's got to prepare for a real like a Johannesburg type uh, atmosphere real mm. daunting real loud and um, but um, but for me I, I always say this I think our forwards uh, are going to be the key for us to, to win it because uh, whether we get through the pool stages, uh, we're either going to play one of the big big teams where the Fords uh, front up all the time. But um, mm. no, deep down, I know our boys can come over here and do it. Jerome, the other day, uh, Jeff Wilson said um, that he didn't think Artie Savia was big enough to play number eight at the World Cup, big enough in terms of physical stature. Um, and, you know, we know the size, as he alluded to it, the other size of the, the French, the size of the Irish, size of the box as well. Uh, what do you think? How important is that size uh, off the back of the scrum? Well, Matt, it's not important when uh, Adi, last year Adi Saville won the most metres yeah. post-contact. <laughs> so mm. I don't know what uh, Goldie at number 14 is talking about. Uh, <laughs> the number eight. But, uh, Get out uh, on the wing. <laughs> if you watched Adi play last year, he, was, uh, he had the best leg drive, won the most contacts out of any uh, loose forward in the world. So I uh, don't know where that comment's coming from, but uh, <laughs> where I come from, international level, it's that it's that little 1% or 2%, and Adi's definitely got it. And, uh, yeah, definitely mm. size doesn't matter when, you're, when you've got that work rate and that, um, that drive to be able to, to carry the team. Mate, Anton Dupont and Intermac and that combination, they are your, your 9 and 10 for Toulouse, mate. Like, talk to us about these yeah. two kids. Because the reality is they are kids. Mate, they're so classy. <laughs> the biggest names of French rugby at the moment. How influential are they going to be going forward in, in, in a couple of months' time? Yeah, they're the key. I, I think they're the key to be able to, for us, to shut down the, the French team. But uh, in saying that, for them to get the ball that they want, we need to shut down their forwards. Because the uh, majority of the time, Antoine going backwards still makes uh, things happen. <laughs> that uh, It's just incredible. But um, no, they're good kids. They're real down to earth. Never really, they don't really speak too much. But uh, yeah, when they get on the field, they definitely um, yeah do do some special things. But um, yeah, that's... Yeah, over here, this this young generation of French players, the, they just want to get out there and play. They're not really um, 
they don't really talk too much or you know too arrogant they're pretty down to earth kids Antoine Dupont's mm. from a farming family and yeah they're real real chilled but um yeah definitely world class well Anton Anton drives a, a Ferrari so what are you driving Jerome <laughs> mate I'm <laughs> driving a family van Peugeot <laughs> you wouldn't be able to fit in a Ferrari, would you, Jerome? Those things are too too bloody low to the ground. Oh man, mate, uh, I'm on a coaching salary at the moment, so it doesn't stretch too far. <laughs> uh, culturally, mate, what are, you, you talked about the winning earlier? You won with your under twenty ones, the top side won. You know, we kind of know what happens over here if the All Blacks win or the Crusaders win or whatever. And you know, you have your uh, your, your mad uh, Monday madness and your and your court sessions and stuff. Culturally, how different is it? The what happens when they win over there versus what they win here? Oh, mate, it's it's still going at the moment. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Like the whole city gets behind it. Um, so on. We won on Saturday. We were right back in Toulouse on Sunday. Had a tour, um, like a bus parade throughout the city. There were about two hundred thousand people in the city just to welcome the bus. And then uh, Sunday we had a garden party. Monday we had a garden party. Tuesday we went to beach bar. And then um, our ex, <laughs> our president, he's a ex player, and uh, mate, he loves the drink. So he's been having garden parties every second day. <laughs> All the boys. So are you ever coming home, mate? So hey, are you ever coming home, <laughs> mate? If you talk to Air New Zealand and uh, pipe down their prices, I'll come home. But it's way too expensive to come home at the moment, unless someone pays for my flight. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, it was good to catch up with you And I know exactly where you are when that celebration went place The Le Capitale <laughs> Hell of a sight <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh, yeah, Hey Jerome Good to catch up with you and Beef Yeah, good to catch up bro Thanks for shouting us a feed too I couldn't believe it got to the end and it was all paid for Thank you very much, <laughs> one of your sponsors King of Toulouse I, I learned one thing Jerome, you'll be able to um, confirm this Is if you play for Toulouse you have the keys to the city because that place you cannot drive anywhere. But if you're in a Toulouse rugby car, you can go pretty much anywhere yeah. in the city. Am I right? Yeah, you can pretty much park anywhere you want if you got that Toulouse logo of the city. <laughs> car, but I don't like to test it because I'd hate to be the only one that comes out and my car's towed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, awesome, brother. Hey, we appreciate you coming on the show, man. You're a busy man and. Uh, Definitely proud of what you've been able to do. And we just got a quick quick question here from Tyson just before we let you go. Jerome just spoke about pressure cooker situations yep. like Joe Question, how has Super Rugby helped New Zealand players with the experience of offshore and unfamiliar territories and pressure situations from Tyson just before we let you go? Um, like, uh, if I remember from when I first came into it, like, uh, New Zealand coaches in New Zealand uh, like our rugby culture we're not scared to throw kids that are 19 20 into like an important game and uh, oh you, you'd be you'd know too is he I know that mm. uh, when I one of my first games I had uh, Carlos Spencer um, all the big dogs in there so for me I was shitting my pants but um, <laughs> like I think those early 
early experiences that we experience at top level in New Zealand, it's, uh, it helps a good foundation for the players coming through. And um, Super Rugby is uh, the best place to be able to to learn your craft and to be able to to find where you need to be to be world class. So, um, yeah, definitely we see the players now. There's so many players that are pretty much a couple of years out of school straight into the pressure cooker situations and uh, excelling. Yeah, beautiful. Couldn't agree more, mate. Building pressure, getting them in there at a, at a young age and, and making their future a successful one, mate. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, Jerome. Absolute champion. Good to catch up uh, in April, and hopefully we get you back shortly, eh? Uh, merci Thanks, beaucoup. Au revoir. Thanks, boys. <laughs> Good to chat, Jake. Awesome. Uh. Good stuff, uh, Jerome Kano there with us uh, on our ABs on OE. It sounds like he's having a blast over there. Why would you come home? No, he's up parties every he day. He ain't coming home. Nah, he not ain't all. coming home. See, Straight up. He is, he is, he is, like, he is, a, you think of gods. Mm. He is a god in, in Toulouse. We were there for about five days and everyone's like, Jerome Kano, ooh, everyone just knew him. They love rugby there. And if you represent their rugby team, if you go into Toulouse around the city, they've got like, um, you cannot drive anywhere. Anyway, if you play for rugby for the club, you can drive wherever you like. They own their city. It's crazy. <laughs> they have to change the name of it from Toulouse to To Win, the way they're cracking on. To Win. <laughs> hey, going to have to. Oh, dad jokes. Dad jokes. Uh, it's 7.21 <laughs> here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, uh, the real house of fragrance. Up next, Kempe is steaming in off the back fence. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. The back fence with Tony Kemp. So Izzy's best mate, Eddie Jones, has lit a fire under the clubs of the NRL by declaring that he has four or five big names in the NRL ready to switch allegiance and head over to the Wallabies. Well, if that's true, one would have to think that Peter Volandis, head of the NRL, would be doing everything possible to stop such an exodus from happening. But first off... Let's take a look at the challenges Eddie's faces converting league players over to rugby union. One has to ask the question, does Australia need a heap of wingers? If we look at the most recent converts over the years, Lonnie Takeri, Wendell Saylor and Israel Folau come to mind, each making the transition, but none contrib- contributing significantly to the additions in the Aussie trophy cabinet. So Joseph Swali, yes, he's young, Yes, he has potential, but he is simply just another winger. You seriously think world rugby teams are going to be shaking in their boots at such a signing? And if he does truly have four or five more signings, well, if any of them are forwards, then I'm sorry, transitioning to rugby union from a league background will take longer than Eddie's reign as coach of the Wallabies. So the question is, why is he making such a song and dance about these signings? For me, it's simply a recruitment ploy and making it known to kids coming through public schools and not the private school route in Australia, which is the norm that they, public school kids, can actually play for the Wallabies. Nice work, Mr Jones. Look forward to you coaching the Roosters one day. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. (laughs) The the reason is, Kempi, he's got to do something to encourage the media to write about them. 
That's the whole reality of this. They're on the back page behind um, water polo, and they're getting a little corner snippet in the in the back page, dominated by other sports over there. So he's he's the ma- he's the mastermind. He's the master of manipulating the media. We know that every Test match before an England Test match, he'll say something canning about just something, or he'll just have a little dig at the opposition. Or he's very very clever at the way he goes about. It. The reason he was doing this is. Well, league have, have been dominating the sport over there. Headlines, everything. Broadcasting rights. So he's got to try something. And, yeah, look, where they need help if they're going to encourage players to come over is the front row, I feel. If they're going to have people that are going to make a difference, particularly in the front row and potentially the locking area. People going from league to the front row and locking area would be a hell of a jump. Well, totally is different. there anyone? We touched on it yesterday. There isn't anyone, I well, don't feel. I, I don't Pretend- mean- Sorry, is he? No, 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 no. Well, they got Will Scouting coming back, so he's a big, big ass for them. Coming back from over at La Rochelle, he's been going great over there, so that's a big, big plus for them. But jumping from league and going into the Ford Pack, I can't see anyone. No one really springs to mind right now. I was going to say the only one that could have maybe done it would have been Nelson Asafa Solomona, who did come from a yeah. rugby union background, but he said and what, no. And what did he do? What did he do? He said he was going to go to the Wallabies, didn't he? Pumped his contract up and signed for Melbourne. That's that's my that's my point. And he ain't gonna he ain't gonna convert a rugby league forward in the time that he's there. You know, you're dead right. The manipulation of the press is one thing. I also think that rugby union, see that if you know rugby union in Australia, you know that it comes through the private schools. You know, it, yeah. it all comes through um, the King's College. They got King's Colleges over there and Scots College. Uh, I actually went to went down to that college because the family that I stayed with in Newcastle, their boys all went through that college and watched that rugby team play. They don't come through the Kibra Highs and the Corumban Highs and those type of public schools. I think that he's just putting it out there, hey, to all of these kids that are that are choosing rugby league, that you can actually choose the Wallabies if you want as an option. But, mate, four or five, the players that I'm thinking about, maybe Crichton, maybe Cam Murray, you know, ex-rugby boys, like... But where are they going to play? Like, where's Crichton and Cam Murray going to play? Second five? They ain't playing mm. loose trio. It's more of a back. If they're going to transition, they're going to go in the backs. It's just easy, easier for them. And they're going to go over to the mm. back row, uh, into the outside backs where they don't have to make decisions. They're all athletes. Um, <clears throat> Cam Murray, he's played rugby. He played rugby throughout high school. He'd be a, a great inclusion if, if New South Wales are going to muck him around and, and throw a nine or hooker in there to, in his position. Man, imagine that. Imagine being Cam Murray on the reserves and they chuck um, Cook out there and, and the Damien Cook into the centres because of speed. Yeah. That would be like, stuff you, I'm out. Yeah. Go, go to rugby. We'll yeah. look after you, Cam. But, but, and you're dead right. And you're dead right. We're talking New South Wales selections here. But let's talk about <laughs> selecting Cam Murray in the second, second 5 8 for the Wallabies. Mate, do you think Dave Havili is going to be packing his pants? I'd be packing my pants if I was Cam Murray, having to having to mark mm. that that talent. You know what I mean? It's just I don't know, Eddie. Like, get over and co- start coaching rugby league, mate. That's what you really want. There's a reason he's done it, Kimpy, because you've just done that little piece of yours. There you go. He's winning. He is he's winning. In your head. He's <laughs> in your head. He's in your head. He's in everyone's heads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 28 away from 8 here on SENZ. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Coming up, we're going to have some headlines. We've got learnings before 8 o'clock as well with Big Ben Rob. Right now, though, time to catch up with Araha. For the latest in news, thanks to Kubota, we are shaping and building New Zealand.
25 away from 8 o'clock on SENZ. Ken Attire, two easy weekend sports headlines for you. Harry Kane wants to join Bayern Munich after holding positive talks over personal terms with the German champions who are pushing to agree a fee with Tottenham Hotspur. Bayern stepped up their interest in Kane after submitting an opening bid of £60 million plus add-ons which has been deemed too low, and they'll need to reach at least $100 million to have any chance of the deal going through. However, Kane has only got one year left on his deal, and Spurs risk losing him for free next summer if they don't sell him now. The Ashes, of course, we've got full coverage Will right he stay here. On? Will he stay on? Sorry, Rick. Oh, I, I can't I, see him anywhere else. But yeah, I, I, to be honest, I'd be surprised... Spurs don't want to sell him to another Premier League team. But if you're Harry Kane, you're not that far away from breaking Alan Shearer's record. So do you go to another league? Because you're not going to break that record if you go to another league. So it'll be interesting. Although, if he goes to Bayern, at least he's guaranteed of winning something. You know, he's not won, he's not won one trophy in his career. Well, Bayern aren't going that well either. Well, they just won the German Bundesliga. Well, what's that? That's the, like the Premier League in Germany. Yeah, I know, but as opposed to the EPL. Well, yeah, I'm mean, just saying. Well, he's not going to win anything staying at Spurs. Mm. So trophy's a trophy, eh? Trophy's Get a, a trick trophy. It. <laughs> well, he'll be playing Champions League as well, which they're definitely not going to be doing at Spurs next season. So I'll tell you oh, what, if, yeah, they, if they offer him a hundred million, he's gone. Yeah, well, it's, it's, they're just trying to buy the contract out from Spurs at the moment, who are holding on. So we'll have to see what happens. But uh, lots of talk linking him to Manchester United, but I can't see that happening until the uh, change of ownership goes through. And they're still carrying on about that. They just posted mm. a third quarter profit of six hundred and forty million pounds. United um, and mm. the Glazers will take much of that and put it in their back pocket. So yeah, wow. it's going to be interesting. What to a see. what a purchase that club's been. My nephew listening, he'd, he'd hate me talking about Bayern like that too because he loves Bayern. His father-in-law's a season ticket holder over there with that, uh, the Bundesliga. So, um, mate, I guess with Harry Kane, the, 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 question, the question for Harry Kane now, given the fact that he's got um, that record in sight, is just, you know, is that what it's about now? Is it about legacy? It's a or, is it, or is it about money? Yeah, it, well, I, I, it's not so much about the money. I don't think. I think it's. Do you, do you want to go for personal, personal accolades, or do you want to go and win a trophy? Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the difference. Yeah, but anyway, uh, speaking of trophies, the Ashes are on the line. Uh, Josh Tung has ma- uh, been named to make his Ashes debut, replacing Moen Alley in an England team that's going to have an all-seam attack when they face each, each other in the second test tonight uh, from 9 o'clock here on SENZ. He took 5 for 66 on his test debut at Lords earlier this month against the Irish. Moen Alley has been struggling with a blister on his spinning finger and he got fined for taping it up because you're not allowed anything that could help you. Um, so he only ended up bowling 14 overs in that second innings of the Australians uh, when they won at Edge Baston. Tung has been preferred to fellow fast bowler Mark Wood, who's not fe- featured in Test cricket since the third match of that English tour in Pakistan, while Chris Wokes and league spinner Rehan Ahmed also missed out. So Baz is going all pace for the second Test. You can catch that live here from 9 o'clock tonight on SENZ. Ooh. What do you reckon? Baseball going to win in the second test, boys? Well, we need to. Um, uh, yeah, a little bit of adversity for Baz to start the series, but no, they'll be ready, and I love it, mate. Ollie Robson, just let him get out there. Look, Australia complaining about his approach, mate. They've been doing it for years. And Ricky Ponton came out and said, mate, don't bring me into it. That was years ago. But, mate, they are the worst of the worst when it comes to heckling and sledging. So give them a bit of their own taste of their own medicine. 100. I love it. 
Habit of heat. <laughs> give it give it a ton of heat. A ton of heat. Nine o'clock tonight, you can catch live coverage of the second test of the Ashes right here on SENZ. When we come back, it's learnings on SENZ. Try the new L'Oreal Men Expert Power age range from Kemmer's Warehouse starting from 1954. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. 16 away from 8 on SENZ. 0800 150811 is our number or double eight double three. Our can't wait question of the day. The best sporting uh, celebration when somebody scored. Uh, this one, I do remember this one. Robbie Fowler, who used to play for Liverpool in England, uh, whenever they played Everton, they'd chant smackhead at him because they always thought he was a party boy out on the town. <laughs> and then he scored against them and he got on his hands and knees oh, and pretended to snort the goal line. <laughs> he did. I, oh, I, I actually remember that. I was over there at the time when uh, when that uh, came out. We used to hang out in Liverpool on a Tuesday night with all the all the Liverpool boys at a at a club there. And um, yeah, mate, good crack, Robbie Fowler. He's 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 a decent bloke. He got he got fined for that, bringing the game into disrepute. Um, now. Uh, <laughs> Now, hopefully he learned something from it, and hopefully we're going to learn something from this. The learning will take those learnings. It's also the learnings you get. Yeah, I hope you'll take plenty of learnings. What are the learnings? There's going to be multiple learnings to come out of this. Being able to take those learnings. Yeah, plenty of learnings to be had. I, I, I reckon our next guest uh, would have uh, learned plenty a couple of weeks ago when he was at the World Cup of Darts in Germany. Big Ben Rob joins us. G'day, mate. How are you? Morning, boys. Yeah, good, good. Cold over here now. <laughs> Whereabouts <laughs> are you? Uh, I'm in Auckland at the moment, but, um, mate, Germany was 35 degrees. It was jandals and singlets, and, oh, missed that. <laughs> Missed that hard, mate. How did how did you and Was go over at the World Cup of Darts? How was that experience? Yeah, oh, we were pushing to make the um, the main knockout round, but we lost our first game to uh, Latvia, and uh, they showed up. They played real well, and uh, we I missed uh, three out there top us to the last leg, and yeah, that's the memory of Germany for me at the moment. Well, we've been talking about uh, celebrations, Ben, and uh, no doubt darts players love a celebration. What was the celebrating <laughs> like over here in Germany? Oh, yeah, because it, it was the first time it was all paired, so it was two versus two, the whole the whole comp. And, mate, they were, they were, if you have a look on the highlights, there was guys throwing shoulders around. It was like a, <laughs> a camera we almost <laughs> screaming at each other and like pushing each other in the forehead. It was pretty full on. Hey, Ben, you, you guys look like supreme athletes. Like, take us through, like, the high-performing um, training training sessions you have to do. Like, what, what, what's your, what's your, what's your uh, gym session look like? <laughs> the high-performance. <laughs> um, well, it pretty much starts to a point. No, no, it doesn't. Um, no, it's just muscle memory, boys. You're just, you're just throwing you know, hours on the board, getting that muscle memory up, because the toughest part of the game is all in the head of, you know, when everyone's screaming at you, you still got to put that, you know, that small piece of steel on the board, you know, within, you know, a couple of millimetres. So that's, that's where it's at. It's all in the head, really, once you get to that, that top level. Mate, we all think we're master dart players. I think it when I go to my local garage or someone's, you know, shed and we go out there and there's a dart board, we're all professionals in the end. But when you're standing there and you're, you've got that little dart in your hand and you're aiming, 
Talk us through the moments. Like, what's involved to get that dart from your hand, the release point? Like, where are you releasing it? Like, how do you? It's a fascinating game. I, I just, I just say it's a fluke. Every time I get it to where it needs to go, it's a fluke. But mate, for you, the practice yeah. that's involved, and how do you ensure that little dart goes where you want it to go? Because you're bloody good at it too, you buggers. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> uh, I just go down to a routine. I think the trick is not to think like where you are and what you're doing because. As soon as you do that, you kind of start trembling a little bit and get a bit nervous, and you, you just can't do that in darts. So it's just routine. It's, it's all about grip, stance, and follow through, pretty much. And the speed of my first all I kind of go through on my head is just. And then when they when the head's gone, and all those hours and hours of practice is just kind of just takes over almost. It's, it's like a weird like autopilot. I kind of say, you know, you've done that many hours, it just kind of just does it does it it sometimes. Talk us through the different dart shots because I know when I want to hit that bullseye, I'm going to flat trace a dart straight through the middle. But then sometimes when I want to lob a, a triple 20, I'll get a little lob on. Is there different variations to throw in the dart? No, you don't want to be doing that. <laughs> That's when it becomes hard, you know. <laughs> yeah, if, if some guy shows up and starts dropping lob shots, man, I'll put the dart down, I'm done with it. Because <laughs> that would be so tough to do, <laughs> to control that. Hey. Little underarm throw. <laughs> well, yeah, you want to come up here and have a couple of games, mate. Oh, look, I'm bad, I'm bad enough with names, but what about you guys? You must all have been, like, top of your class in maths how do you how do you score it like what's the best way like man i get lost i throw three four five darts i'm lost i don't know how many points i've hit but how do you get through it so quickly you know because you got the next bloke stepping up wanting to take your shot straight away yeah so um pretty much when you play that many games it becomes patterns like you kind of like i don't count every kind of throw i kind of know like what everything adds up to automatically if that makes sense like I'm not saying every time I walk up going, oh, 60 plus 48 plus 20. Like, I just know what I have, what I have left, so that when you're up there and you say you're on a you're on a 255 or whatever, you know if you miss a single or a triple, you know what you should automatically be going for. Instead of throwing a dart, counting, throwing a dart, counting, throwing a dart, you just map out your play before you walk up so that you're just minimising that mental effort. So, so what does that mean when you? Because you guys love a beer when you're playing. Do you, do you count how many points you had and how much it's cost you for the night? <laughs> yeah, mate, it's ridiculous. Mate. If there was no drinking and darts, it'd be a cheap game to play. But, um, yeah, a few, a few boys like their drinks, and a few, a few don't. I don't know how they do it without it, but um, yeah, some of them just rock up, you know, with a cup of tea, a couple of biscuits, <laughs> and they just go up there and play against the world. So. Sports, darts in New Zealand, mate. Are you seen it grow? Is it is it really accessible to the general public just to go along to the clubs and, and get involved in darts? Yeah, yeah. Like if you rock up to a club, you know every club has their passionate members that you know if you show up, they'll you know they'll bring out their their little briefcase and it's just full of darts and. You know, they always get the new followers have a throw with all of them because there's so many different, like, variations of them, weights and styles and shapes. So, uh, yeah, most yeah. clubs will have people that just let you pick up their dart, have a throw, figure it all out. And honestly, like, I played a lot of sports growing up, but the community in darts is just, like, the most, like, supportive I've ever been amongst. And good people from all walks of life, you know, all ages. There's, I've played a 12-year-old and I played an 80-year-old last week. So, it's... um. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a game for everybody. 
How long did it take you when you talk about you know people bringing out a, a briefcase of darts? Uh, how long did it take you to figure out what weight, what barrel shape, all that sort of stuff that you liked best? Uh, probably like three to four years, to be honest. I started off with a straight barrel, and then I kind of worked my way around. Like my whole mindset was, how can I be as consistent as possible? Because I mean, when your brain's gone, you just want something you can grab and let it like take over itself, kind of thing. So. It took a few little minor changes, and then, yeah, after a while, then I started having a bit of success. Then uh, some companies asked me to design my own one to my own shape and how I wanted it, and now I have my own barrel and my own flights and my own stems and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's paid off in the long run, and yeah, you can end up making your own stuff. Mate, the Nine Data. We had our little promotion video this morning talking about the Nine Data. How many Nine Data's you had? Uh, probably like maybe ten. 10 or, 10 or 11. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. It's real tough, especially in a comp. I've only had two in comp, so, but all in practice. And even in practice, mate, you get the witty witties, you know, you start getting a bit, a bit nervous. <laughs> get, a little, get a little bit nervous on it. Hey, hey Rob, just, just for our listeners out there, something we can learn from you, what is the easiest um, number to hit on the board? So, you know, hitting triple 20, triple 20, triple 20, I've only done it nine or ten times myself, but for everyone else that's listening, what is the easiest number to hit? Oh, I would say wherever you're standing, if you look at your um, level with your eye, I think it's easier if you if you're if you're a short fella, go for triple nineteens. If you're a tall guy, go for triple twenty. If you're a bit odd shaped, you know, go for the side one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big Ben, Rob, thanks very much for coming on, brother. I tell you what, the easiest for me to hit is uh, I honestly, if I is, is a one or a five. Every time I aim for the twenty, that's where well, it ends you, up. I thought you were going to say these thing you hit is a Guinness. No, the one or a five. Well, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> when we told when we told Kempe this uh, t- today that we were talking darts, he asked us if we, we wanted Winnie Reds or B and H's. So uh, that's that's how, that's how far behind the uh, eight ball he was when it came. To, so thanks for giving us some uh, some learnings, Big Ben Rob, New Zealand champion, uh, mate. Appreciate your time. Go well. Enjoy the rest of your day. Cheers, Rick. Cheers, boys. Thanks for having me on, boys. Will do. There we go. Big Ben Rob with us. The big what rig. a legend. What a legend. Uh, six away from eight here on SCNZ. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast. SCNZ just after 8 o'clock into our final hour. It's great to catch up with Jerome Kano, the former All Blacks number 6, now coaching the academy group at Toulouse Rugby in France. And while Toulouse doing the double, the academy winning their competition and Toulouse winning the top 14 over there. So a, a team with so much history that is flourishing in the top league. And uh, it was great to catch up with him. And talking about the atmosphere over in France, the passionate fans, 50-odd thousand, 200,000 
fans, in fact, flooding Toulouse City. And if you've been to Toulouse, they've got a big area over the Le Capitale, which is the main centre in uh, Toulouse. And, well, they walk out onto the, the balcony and there's thousands and thousands of screaming fans that are there cheering on their, their team that they love so much. And Irish John has come through and got me thinking, Kempi Ricardo. Morning, lads. Irish friend with teenage daughter at MPC match. And he was pumped up, shouting for his boys on defence, present at try, and his girls turned around and said, Dad, stop, you're embarrassing us. We don't do that here. And I've also been told at rugby match, we don't do that here. Shouting massive support for the team, I was. it was so weird to be told that a live sports match, so you can imagine the empty atmosphere with that view, to be quiet at a match that is from John. When you have comparisons to what goes on here and over in France, totally different. Particularly rugby, football, all sports that is played around the globe. They have such a different feel and makeup. Why don't we do it here? Yeah. Why are we why is it frowned upon? It's it's an interesting one. As I actually went to an all black game in the World mm. Cup. Was it two thousand fifteen they came down here, was it? The two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. So you're probably mm. playing in that um that World Cup, and I, I went and watched one at Eden Park. I got some tickets. I can't remember how they how I got the tickets, um, and I went into Eden Park, and I sat right behind the goalpost, and I was expecting, like, yeah, man, you know, sold out, World Cup, going to be a really, really good night. And I just couldn't believe how quiet it was there in the grandstand compared to going to just an NRL match, you know, and having having been through the NRL all those years. And I, I just don't know what it is about New Zealand. When, when Jerome was saying that about, you know, the national anthem, you could actually feel it mm. when he was talking about it. You know, and saying, you know, like in the final when they sung the national anthem, it was pretty, um, pretty a pretty wild experience. But imagine it when they run out against uh, New Zealand in early September. Um, for that game, it's just gonna it's gonna set set the set the whole place alight, you know, with them singing that national anthem and, the, and how vocal they are. I just don't know what it is about Kiwis. They just mate, you're not allowed to you're not allowed to do anything except clap. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, a bit golf clappy, eh? And a bit uh, it's, it's a bit of a library at times. I mean, you get excited when a try scored. There'll be noise then. Yeah, but it's the stuff yeah. in between. It's lifting your team in between, particularly when the team's you know on the back foot. And that's what uh, crowds overseas do so well. Do do so well, you know. I mean, I went to a few games of that Rugby World Cup as well. And honestly, the loudest cheer I heard was I was at the th- I got free ticket to the third versus fourth game, which was Wales versus the Wallabies. And when uh, Quade Cooper went down injured, had to get stretched off. That was the loudest cheer of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and and like t- and franchises here are trying to change the mold. And you've got down here and you've got in Dunedin, they've got the fan zone, they have a DJ playing, so there's a bit of a vibe. But even that is still frowned upon, you know? You've got the the old school mentality. I don't know, is it is it tall poppy? Mm. We don't want to be seen as being uh, overly excited. Um, you know, uh, there's the old school generation that want to just sit there in peace and watch the game. That's okay. Well, give them an uh, old school a, zone. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. Like, give them, give them like, like, a, like, what do you call that? A silent disco. Give them some head muffs, you know, where they can just hear the commentary. <laughs> well, a lot of them actually sit there listening to the commentary and enjoying it. But even people try and stand up, wave their flags and cheer, and they get abused, sit down, we can't see. I get it. You've made your bought tickets because you want to watch the game. But a bit of a voice, a bit of atmosphere and, and changing, you know, how it's all, all heard out there. I know it does wonders for the players. 
How good is it when I, you're talking about that World Cup, mate? Ireland taking on Australia in Eden Park was probably the best crowd, the French crowd. They know how to do it. They cheer and they're so vocal. You can still watch the game and support your team with a little bit of excitement behind you. Well, that's British a, and Irish Lions, they do it well. That Ireland-Australia game at Eden Park in 2011, you could have been in Dublin because everybody was Irish that day that was there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was kind of, uh, that showed us how it could be done. There's a there's an Irish pub in Mount Eden down the bottom there. I walked down on Tonkin into it, had an Australian jersey on. Um, mm. And I said, oh, we'll just go in here for a pub, uh, for, for a beer, oh. eh? And he went, you're kidding. It was <laughs> in an Irish yeah. pub. <laughs> and he walked in, the pub went dead set quiet. Yeah. Because he was the only bloke in there with mm. an Australian jersey on. And then they went crazy, mate. They were like, yeah! Mm. Yeah, you know, and got in and started singing and hugging him and all that sort of stuff. That was such a such a good night. And my playing in England, um, up you know, when you're going against the, they call it the jungle at Castleford. You know, you get you get eight to ten thousand people in there. It sounds like a hundred thousand people. They're singing all the time. Mm. You know, that balmy mm. army um, mentality where they just you're going to go to a sport match. You're going to enjoy it for that whole whole um, match, you know, not just when the tries are being scored, is something we can, we can learn. You know, I think, I think we still mm. do it, especially at the rugby matches, we, we still do the clap, keep quiet. It's not so at the Warriors matches, you know, like they, they get into it a bit. Mm. But, um, yeah, mate, we can, be like, we can be a lot noisier, no, no doubt. Yeah, coming through on the text And there was machine. passion. There was passion on Saturday as well, wasn't there, Ricardo? The message mm. came through. Because when it appears we shut it down, abuse and death threats are crazy and never permissible. But we, what we saw on Saturday in Hamilton was pure passion, 100% passionate fans there at FMG Stadium. It gets shut down and belittled by both the NZRU. I think that's the select few that ruin it for, for everyone else there that is supporting their team with passion. And look, I, I want to say the story. Um, you know, my dad, when I was playing for the Crusaders, was in Hamilton, and he had my little niece on his lap, and she was only four or five years Old and a father and son in their chief's gears were abusing him, like in his face, like pretty much abusing him, and he, and like pretty much walking up to him, and and he thought, wow, this is this is quite, uh, this is quite out the gate here. Like he had his little niece on him, and and they were like pretty much wanted to take him on, have a scrap, because my dad was there sitting in the stands with his Crusaders jersey on. You know, he's supporting his team, they're supporting his, and that's like people like that just that just really ruin it. For the select few, mm. and um, he'll never forget that. He said he'll never go to to watch one of those games again for what went on in those stands um, when he was having my little niece on his lap and got pretty much abused. And luckily, they got taken away, but it was pretty crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Was that in Hamilton? Or was that in Christchurch? No, that was in Hamilton. Mm. It was in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Some just go too but far. Yeah, eh? Like I said, just just some some just ruined it for the rest. But mate, I I've, I love the passion there at FMBG. Say, the cowbells are ringing, everyone's up, and they have a, a really fanatical fan base. They do it with mana. They they they're allowed, they're vocal, they support their team. But um, some of the the carry on from others just kind of lets it down. But on the flip side, mate, keep bringing that heat, keep bringing that that energy. It's so good to see when you're watching the TV over there in the stands. What what's it like for you as a player? On the field, when you get that sort of atmosphere going, well, it's it's great. It lifts you. It obviously it's it's hard when you're you're in an enemy territory and you're trying to get the selections. And when they obviously get a bit of momentum and a roll on, you can see them growing and lifting. So you know, okay, we've got to really try and counter this. But mate, you you'd rather play there 
being in front of no one, it just it just helps. Mm. It brings a lot of energy and vibe. Mm. Yeah, and it does. And, and I remember like you're warming up in England, and the and like it's not they they don't wait. Oh, here's the whistle, blow the whistle, kick off. Mate, they're singing an hour before the game. You know, so you're out mm. there doing your warm up, and all the songs are going, and the crowd's building. And then when you walk out, and especially in the big games, the semis and the finals, and that, and you walk out, and the whole crowd—it's like it's alive. You know, it's like it's just bubbling away, and the sound from different parts of it. And I, what I used to like over there was the banter between the crowd. So you'd have, for instance, mm. say you go to Wigan, like at the old Central Park in Wigan, it was standing space only, all the way around it, and it was like. You know, right next dominoes, like right next to each other, and the people would sing, and the, you'd see the hands going to the other crowd, and they'd be singing to each other. It was just like that in itself is a spectacle, you know. Um, which I've never seen anything like it down here. No, the closest I think I've probably ever seen was when the All Whites played Bahrain to qualify for the 2010 World Cup, and they New Zealand football did this white out the stadium, so everybody wore white, so the whole stadium was white, and that was, and there were lots of songs there. And there was lo- there was lots of atmosphere there. That was that was like almost like being at. I mean, I've been to Old Trafford, seen a couple of games over there. Manchester United, pretty close. No, not quite as good, but pretty close. You know. And you can, know, can we get to that point, Ricardo? Can we get to a situation where our crowds become a little bit patriotic and 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 fanatical? Was that, or was it just are we just stuck? Because the, the NRL, mate, prime example, Mount Smart. Look at that. Watch that. Drums are beating. Supporters are waving their flags, dancing. Everyone's face uh, face painted, and it's such a good vibe. Yeah, I, I rugby, I think. I don't know if Trent's on the money here, but Trent has sent through the passions taken away from kids at a young age. Apparently, it's not good for them to want to win at a young age. He's talking participation awards here, I think. Uh, then they go to an All Black game and aren't sure if they should cheer for a win or a try. <laughs> <laughs> cheer, cheer. Whatever, cheer that you're there and, and supporting your team. We don't really help ourselves. We don't really help ourselves with the DJ on on the park, do we? No, well, I mean, you know, that's kind of an artificial atmosphere. Uh, you know, I, I don't like it personally, but if there's nothing else going on, then why not try and get mm. something going? So long as it's not bloody Sweet Caroline. Um, oh, what a banger, eh? <laughs> We got a text from Paul, actually. He said, uh, just like the game, rugby crowds are boring. Sweet Caroline times 10 doesn't cut it. And when the ball is in play 20 minutes out of 80 and there's a canary in the middle going nuts, what do you expect the crowd to do? (laughs) (laughs) So maybe it's a game point of view, entertainment factor. The game is, yeah. It's confusing as hell. So, what are you celebrating? Okay, there's plenty of debates here. Yeah, plenty of debates. What's the best? Other teams. What's the best? No, over in the north, they celebrate. Yeah, they do. I mean, that's the thing. You go go north, go to Europe, and 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 it's crazy. I mean, Kemper, you played up there. What's what's the best atmosphere you've ever played in? Oh, the best, the best. Well, the finals are the best to play in because they keep the supporters away from each other. So you know, Leeds headingly packed out um, for a final is there's nothing better. You know, and see, it's gone. the 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 fan experience has gone away a little bit too because it's all seated now. Mm. Whereas back in our days, it was all standing space only. Like you see some of those old mm. photos, like Oddsall, for instance, at Bradford. It used to be an old um, racetrack, so it was a like a velodrome, and the and the stands and the and the terraces all the way down would be packed, solid of supporters. But man, there's I'm, I talk about it all the time. Even going to Featherstone. 
Like Featherston's a small town close to Castleford. That's the local derby. On the very first time I played at Featherston, 50p coins were flying past my head because that's what the <laughs> Featherston people were like. The coach's Generous. car got burnt out because you know, he had, he, JJ had parked it right in um, outside the, the ground. When we got out, it was, it was burnt out. But the noise for that game, and I think they could only fit like 7,000 people in there, you would have sworn there was 100,000 people there. You know, and it, like everyone in that little town had come out to support Featherston. Um, I just, I, I couldn't wait to get out of there. Seriously, it was like intimidating. I remember I'll just tell you a little story. Carl Gibson played played centre against. Uh, I played against centre against him for Great Britain. I was in New Zealand, but I was playing five eight the stake, and I'd got him in a tackle, and the referee had seen it. They got me in a tackle. Brendan Tudor was playing for Featherston. He got me in a tackle and put me down on my back and held my arms together. And Carl Gibson came over the top, got me right in the nose, mate. With a with a punch, and the referee was looking at me over the top of Carl Carl Gibson, and he went, "You're all square, boys. Now get on with it." <laughs> Love there's, it. No, there's no penalty, so he won just the fifty cent coins in the bird out. Carl's had to deal with Carl Gibson. Oh, that is quality. That is quality. Keep your texts coming through too. Double eight, double three. Martin's put one in here. Maybe, maybe it's cultural in terms of the game as well. He said we went to the Caketon a few years ago, and Yellow Fever were there. Six thousand people sung and chanted all day. So that's a Phoenix game. Uh, the next day we went to an NPC game, same stadium, ten thousand people, and it was quiet as we were told to shut up when we started singing. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like people get up and they're trying to be vocal, and then. His old uh, old mate back behind us, get sit down. I'm trying to watch the game, you know, like maybe a little old old person zone near Kempe, chuck them in their own little corner and they can watch the game in peace and let everyone else get into it because we're trying to look the breakers do it perfectly. Yeah, breakers fans job. are so good. Great. Yeah. Basketball's good. The Phoenix. Yellow fever. Mate, watch them. That their crowd is fanatical as anything. Leading up to the game. Passionate. Um, for rugby, for some sort of reason, we just—I don't know. But, yeah, you, look, know but you look at the sevenses. Like you look at the sevens when that first came here. That was crazy. That yeah, was a, that got shut down. That was a party atmosphere, but they shut it down. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, That's exactly what they shut it down. PC police shut it down. Yeah, and then it, yeah. And what happened? People stopped going, and then they were like, "Why does no one go to the sevens anymore?" Oh, because it's, it's not a party. That's anymore. what I mean, mate. You know, exactly. they had the prime uh, your formula there with the sevens, and they shut it down. Oh. Mate, like other sports are just leading the way, and yep, well, our crowds are. Entertainment's a big factor. Obviously, the game's important at the moment. We've got our own struggles with the game, but then entertainment, you know, before halftime, you know, uh, concert, post it. What are they doing? A post it. They should have something to encourage people to stay along. And I don't know. We're just a long way off. I feel. Yeah, you're not wrong. Double eight, double three. Keep your texts coming through. Uh, plenty. Uh, Mark's a uh, Mark. Mark. How do you pronounce it? Stafford? I believe. Uh, long time listener, first time texter. Sweet Caroline sucks. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that. I love saying that because he tweets it every single day. <laughs> he tweets that and something else. Something else. He has a little moan about as well on his Twitter. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. So good. And this one uh, in Christchurch, one clap is good for good play, and three claps is amazing play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep your teams rolling through double eight, double three. The tip we got the horses. Oh, well, you got the horses. Yeah, the horses make yeah. more noise than anyone yeah. else. Actually, to be honest, yeah. uh, keep coming through. We'll get to more of those next. It is twenty past eight here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. 
run. Don't walk. Versace Pour Own 100 ml is only $79.99, but only at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. 8.26 on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. 0800 150 <laughs> Plenty of texts coming through. I like uh, this one from uh, John. He said, call it the Boomer Zone, and they can all talk about how they bought their houses for 15 grand, and now they have 20 of them. Uh, <laughs> thanks thanks for that, John. Also, one no name on it. Everclane Park is the most boring crowd in the world. Oh, uh, <laughs> come on. They get behind their magpies. Oh, go they, back. Why? We are Right, I'm on the bay. Come on. <laughs> John from Auckland has called through on 0800 Morning, John, how are you? Morning, morning, guys. Hey, um, it's quite interesting. You know, club rugby, you get some bloody vocal supporters on the sidelines, you know, mm. compared to super rugby and NPC. And I can tell you, going to club rugby all over the country, there's some... You know, you'd be quite frightened if you were the opposition coming out of the tunnel or coming onto the field. <laughs> Yeah, is it? Is it? Is it? Uh, there's a text to come in here, John. Is it the experience from the agencies that run it and stop events because of the amount you've got to pay for, like a beer and a hot dog? Oh, of course it is. I mean, there's fun police everywhere nowadays. They eh? just cutting everything out, and mm. you know, I don't want to use the the word, but you know, come on, PC, PC police, as we call it, mm. and um, and and sport. You know, that's not a winning combination, but um. Yeah, I don't know what it is, mate, but firstly, to uh, Izzy there, congratulations on your organisation, seven titles in a row. Wow, they must be the greatest um, provincial sports team in the world at the moment. Have to be. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, bud. Hopefully we can chat to to Razor over the next couple of days, but um, look, I've got to stop. We've had three days of that, so John, I appreciate it. Thank you. I'll park <laughs> that comment right now, and uh, we'll move on, but mate, See, that's uh, we appreciate problem, your call. See, that's the problem. <laughs> the problem is you park stuff like that when you should be celebrating, mate, so let's hear that. Come on, let's cheer it from the roof. Oh, I've celebrated. I've done enough. I've had it. I've done it. I've done it. I've, I've parked it, and I'm moving on. No, look, I'll, I'll keep Supporting my team, but uh, this conversation about crowds, Kimpy, we can't bring in the Crusaders again, can we? Mate, what about when they get their new their new Crusaders stadium? You know what I mean? That big, beautiful oh, it's stadium be so good. down there. Oof. I wonder. I wonder what they're going to do about trying to get the crowd. Because, mate, what happens if you can't fill it? Where are you going to get the They'll atmosphere from? They'll fill it. Will they? They always fill it. Yeah, well, if you think of crowds around New Zealand, they're probably one of the franchises that fill the stadium mostly. And the reason people don't go to that stadium is it's cold, it's horrible, and, you know, if you've got a brand new indoor stadium, warm, with new facilities, man, they'll fill it 100%. All right, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see on that one. Uh, this text has come through too, double eight, double three. You have to wait till 2026. Yeah, it's a while away. It's a while away. Uh, no, no doubt you'll be there cutting the ribbon though, is he? Uh, you haven't mentioned the zoo at Forsyth Bar. It keeps a debauchery away from the boomers. When I take the kids, I always get a family zone seats down that end. Best of both worlds from Chappie. Yeah, that's that's. I mentioned that. I mentioned that at the start. I said, look, uh, franchises are doing their their selected zones with DJs. The zoo, they do a fantastic job down there. But um, you know, that allows people to have fun. I know families too that go buy those tickets because they love it. They love the vibe, the feel, and and getting their kids amongst the the hooligans, the riffraff down there. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's something, and in particular with rugby, that we're trying to encourage and, and get people there to show their true colours, personality. You know.
There's a great text here, and I always encourage you when you text us on double eight double three to put your name on it so we can give you a shout out because this is a great text. Why don't New Zealand rugby put up a hundred k to the franchise that has the mm. best fans and attendance, and then that money gets split amongst the local clubs? That'd be a win win. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great idea. Giving it giving it back to the community and make it fun, like take it into schools and create you know like posters and and chants and songs and get there and sing them. Um, and that's what that's what I think the Phoenix have done with that zone that they have mm. there is that they've just got guys there. The more fun that they, they have, I think, is about celebrating. Whether the team's winning or losing is a bonus, but getting together with your mates and taking your top off, mate, Josh Cronfield in the middle of them um, with that shot is priceless. <laughs> <laughs> Josh oh, loves so it, mate. So he loves it. Uh, hey, Izzy, don't put us all us oldies in a box, pal. <laughs> Just don't start a Mexican wave in the first five minutes and have a DJ artificially trying to create an atmosphere. Have a good day from Martin. <laughs> That's why you spoke about DJ artificially trying to create an atmosphere. No, we don't need that. That's what I mean. Like you, they're trying to encourage because at the moment nothing's really working. So they they're trying things. DJs, little parts of the fun zones. And Christchurch, I touched on it, mate. They've got a kids' area down the end of the stadium where kids can go get popcorn, there's bouncy castles, there's face painters, uh, there's, there's fireworks. There's, there's cool things here. So the innovation and the idea is, is, is there. It's just trying to encourage uh, people to get along. And if there's incentives like that, probably go a long way to getting them to the park. Yeah, that definitely helps. Just thinking outside the box, eh? doing something a little mm, bit mm. different uh, to get people along and get people engaged in the game as well. Keep your text rolling through, double eight double three, the Temper Bedpost text machine. Going to catch up with the one-man party, Paulie Mawadi, shortly. Right now, though, here is Araha with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota, we are shaping and building New Zealand. It's 26 away from nine on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast here on SCNZ. And uh, it is time to catch up with the man, one man party from the TAB, Paulie Mawadi. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. How are you going to fill us up today, Paulie? <laughs> oh, I thought we'd have a little chat about the uh, Warriors this because boy, oh boy, mm. uh, we've seen a move in the market for their match against the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the sold-out match this Friday night. Warriors were a dollar eighty yesterday in that head-to-head market. They've now been forced into a dollar sixty-nine, uh, and the Rabbitohs have drifted out to two dollars and thirteen cents. So it's been one-way traffic in terms of action in that head-to-head market, and that traffic is, is all heading towards the Warriors, who are now $1.69. I've just had a look at them to see what sort of um, support they've been getting in other markets, and I can tell you in the top eight market, 63% of the turnover in that entire uh, option is on the Warriors. 47% of the action in the top four market is on the Warriors, and then I've just checked them out in the uh, grand final winner book as well. The best price you could have got there was $61 on the Warriors to win the grand final. Our biggest bets on the Warriors in there, in that grand final market, uh, we've had a $1,000 bet at $46, $1,000 at $26, $1,000 at $23, and $1,000 at $21. So 
no surprises. The Warriors are our worst result in the grand final one of the top four, the top eight. Uh, and in the wooden spoon, best back team, the Tigers, closely followed by the Dragons. So um, there's a bit of action at both ends of the table in terms of punters wanting to get on. Um, but uh, for round 18, there's only one team they want. That's the New Zealand Warriors now into a dollar sixty-nine. Yeah, good money, good money, and uh, I'd, I'd find it very hard to be backing against them this Friday night with no Latrell Mitchell, um, especially the way they. I think they've lost the four of their last six games too poorly. So, um, I guess plenty of people will be putting plenty of money on at Cambridge today. Uh, we tipped out a horse that's actually just been scratched uh, in race one, and it. Uh, I'm just trying to find its name here. Just give me a second. It's called Jamaican Farewell, and it looks like they've come for the number two, which Michael McNam's riding um, for Richie and Murray. It's a had first starter, had one start for a second. It's coming from two twenties now, dollar ninety. Looks like everyone likes it. Yeah, number two, Nereus, uh, to be ridden by Michael McNab today. As you say, uh, was second, first up, uh, backed in from two twenty to one ninety. Um, that's the second best back runner on the card at the moment. The best back, let's stick with the league theme. Go to race four, number one, Radradra. Yeah. 420 into 360. Ooh. Trained by Chris Woods. They've brought it down. Kelsey Hannon on board. Gets the two kilo claim. Um, that has been very well backed and is the best backed so far on the card at the Cambridge Synthetic today. Race four, number one, Radradra. Nice. Beautiful. I've got a little multi there. Radradra has to be fast. Pukuru show for a win. 12 buckers. So there you go. And someone's come through with a, a wee tip as well on the text machine about has to be fast. So hopefully that gets up, uh, Paulie Mwari. What's your best? What's your best? What are you anchoring and stopping today? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Izzy. Yeah, look. I can't ignore the uh, the money that's been uh, put down on Radradra. So yeah, Radradra's my best for today. Four twenty into three sixty. Um, I dare say, if that trend continues, that three sixty will disappear fairly quickly. So if you do uh, like the chances of Radradra, I'd be jumping on three sixty at the moment. And don't forget, the Ashes second test um, mm. isn't that far away. Uh, England currently two forty seven to win. The second test, the Aussies two dollars and four cents. The draws come in slightly to four ninety five. Uh, there's been a pretty good amount of cash on both teams at the moment, with slightly more uh, on the Australians at two dollars and four cents. Yeah, it's interesting that the uh, the Poms have gone with an all pace attack, mate. They've not decided to replace Mo and Alley with another spinner. So green top. Green twelve, maybe, maybe they read in, read that into it, mate. Read that into it, but I think yeah, back in the Aussies is probably the go. To be honest, as much as that pains me to say. Well, look, if you like boosted markets, I can tell you the boys have put a few out, um, and the best backed one at the moment is for Joe Root to be the top England run scorer in the first innings. It's been boosted from three fifty out to three ninety. Uh, that's the best back there. So they're, they're hoping that Joe Root continues on his good form. Yeah, good stuff, Paulie. Thanks very much, buddy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, eh? Very good, Ricardo. Cheers. Have a good one, boys. Cheers. Uh, watch Cheers, and Paulie. bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly, R18. All right, out of all of that, boys, what are we backing today? 
Well, I think mm. I think as he's I think as he's um, multi uh, each way, I, I'd be back in that multi each way is not a bad not a bad little um, tipple. Urias um, into Red Roger into has to be fast. I did speak to Stephen Marsh about that. That was his best of the day um, at Cambridge Synthetic Race Six. Uh, Pakuru Show um, as well in there. I, for me, I think the better the weekend though, if you're having a look, is the Warriors thirteen plus. I think, and and the reason I'm saying that the way that they they came off the field last weekend gave me just a thought bubble in my head that. They are so happy and confident at the moment going to into a packed house at home. Because remember, sold out. So they're going to have everyone behind them. Um, they know how important this game is. I think they're going to get some points on uh, on f- uh, Friday night. Is he for you? Uh, yeah, look, I'm going through that. I've just seen a message coming through on the text machine. I'll have a look. Had a look at race two, Cambridge. Nigella Lane paying five bucks. It's number eight, and it's written by Michael McNabb. It's had two wins and a third in its last three. It's paying five bucks, two bucks for a place. So I might be having a look at that one. Bit Thank you for the unknown text message. Yeah, a little, little dab on each one. It's coming from 550 to five on the nose. Nigella Lane, good jockey on top. So that might be me, boys, but it's Wednesday. You know, my, my TAB doesn't click over till Saturday, so I've got to wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just, he's waiting. He's putting, <laughs> putting the hold on. It's 20 away from nine. We'll be back with more of your text, more chat, and we'll talk about that Warriors squad as well after this on Izzy and Kempe for Breakfast. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for Breakfast on SENZ. It's 14 away from nine here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, 0800 811 or double eight double three. And it does remind me, Izzy, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but Marshy from Hawke's Bay talked about our new theme song. He said, my muckles are listening now. I've had to tell them that it's your socks are on fire, otherwise they ask too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Yes, oh, oh, I know that, and I see Megan send a message through. Can we bring back some DMV? I'm like, oh no, we can't keep everyone happy. We'll continue to do our best, but that's a great one, Marshy. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for that, brother. Now we're going to talk Warriors because the team was put out yesterday. Uh, really, yeah. only the one change, Marata Niakore out, obviously suspended, um, and uh, that means Josh Curran comes into twelve. Mitch Barnett uh, slots in on the bench. Uh, there was this text that came through from Paddy earlier. Get your thoughts on this one. Boys, last night on NRL 360, they put a graphic up that showed that Maratini Akure is earning Izzy Dag money, $840,000 a year at the Warriors. Is that overs? He's a great player, a leader, and probably acts like an on-field coach, but it seems way too high for a 12. Dave Fafita is the only second rower earning more than him, plus he's only played 12 or 13 games this year due to suspensions. Thoughts? Look, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's overs for him. And you look through the the Warriors side. Um, apart from Tohu Harris, you've got uh, Aidan Fanua Blake. I know that Sean Johnson's not on mark. Uh, be up there on marquee money because he came back from Cronulla and Charles Stockwell clock start. He'd make up the four, the top five players in that uh, in that Warriors side. So uh, the way that he's playing, mate, they, they've obviously had a good <clears throat> chat about the salary cap. I, look, I don't think. It's overs. The reason why I don't think it's overs, look, I think you've got to pay to get players to come back to New Zealand. You've got to pay quality players to get back to New Zealand. Once they start winning, then other players will start to look at the club if they know they can pick up that money and have some success. I think it pays off in the long run. Uh, what we've got to get better at doing, though, is he's an, he's an old Warriors um, junior. You know what I mean? We've got to, got to make sure that we're picking the ones that can start the club and build that moving forward. So hopefully the, the new recruitment strategy is going to do that and, and the, the Maratas of the future aren't going to cost you that much to bring back because they're already here.
Yeah, it's a great call. That's big money, isn't it? Mm. That's big money, isn't it? I think he's been worth it. I think he's, apart from a couple of the suspensions and and, and all the, you know, misdemeanours and things like that. But other than that, mate, his influence on their game and impact on that edge, I think he's been well worth it. 840, I didn't know it was that much, but that's big money. Hey, as a player and as athlete, you want to get as much as possible, he's done that, so commend him on it. On the flip side, boys, I mean, I know Latrell Mitchell is missing, but why have Souths fallen off a cliff? I mean, you look at that that pack, you know, uh, Tevita Tatola, Damien Cook, Hahami Sally, uh, Keone Kolomatangi, Michael Cheekham, Cam Murray, it's not a bad pack. And then Lachlan Elias, not the worst seven running around. Cody Walker's back for them. They've got Campbell Graham, Isaiah Tass, Alex Johnson, Blake Taff out the back. Yeah, mate, it's simply because of the, the, their defence. they got the best offence in the competition. When it's, when it's on fire, it is really, really hard to stop. But if you look at the last four losses that they had, the Eels have put 36 past them, the Raiders have put 33 past them, and the Dragons have put... 36 past them and the Cowboys put 31 past them. Uh, hence the 13 plus the on Friday night is not a bad bet. But, you know, if they can't get their defence right, and and this is the problem with the Rabbitohs, and they rely on their offence, it's not going to win your games. If your defence is, is um, you know, the game that they beat, uh, beat the, the Titans against, they still scored 28 points. You know, so you can't continually let 30 points leak and expect that you're going to win a majority of the games. And it's really simple. They need to, they need to tighten up their defence. They're relying too heavily on their offence, and at the moment, it's the defence that's letting them down. Oh, we've got somebody with the inside oil. Cesar's message through. Nia Cordo's contract is front-loaded. It averages out to 625k a year over his deal. Yeah, well, and, that's, and that makes a hell of a lot of difference, doesn't it? <laughs> He's a, look, I, a couple of hundred in there. I think, I think he... Has been worth every cent of it. I think. I think one of the big reasons why Sean Johnson is playing so well is because he's got Marata Nukore right next to him mm. defensively, and I think it gives him the confidence knowing that you've got. It makes a hell of a lot of difference when you're defending in that three in position when you have a bloke on your inside, especially that can make those tackles and, and scare people coming down that edge. So big edge runners that are running at Sean Johnson, they're looking twice now because Marata's standing in front of them. And the reason he's been suspended is because he belts people. Now, Johnson gets a hell of a load of confidence out of that. And 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 his form is showing that. So, man, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be worried. Give him a million dollars. I don't really care. If he's going to do that for your team, you know, you're, you're helping Sean Johnson out there at, you know, close to the top of the table. They're a dead shit shout of finishing four yep. and putting a and putting a good show in for the finals here. So um I'll tell you if they win a if they win a grand final, they'll say pay them more. Marata is to the Warriors, what Kafusi is to the Dolphins, that is from Mori. And just on that, Josh Curran taking in the role and fulfilling that Kempi, can he have the same impact? No. What do we need to see from Josh. No, his defence needs to be spot on. You know, it's the only part of his game that lets him down. Uh Josh, you know, he's I think he's got a little bit of a a, a softness to his game in, in that defensive area. If he can tighten that up, you know the way that he, he attacks is, is pretty good. Um, but I'm thinking Friday night he actually starts from the bench. I think I think Mitch Barnett will go and um, he'll oh. he'll start in that that uh, that edge position and then they'll push him into the middle of the park. Yeah, Curran's a much more of an offensive player, isn't he? Better with the offloads, better mm. better foot foot speed at the line, that sort of thing. But I, I know that I, I'm just talking about Marata Nuakure standing next to Sean. I'm pretty sure that Sean would, you know, he'd he'd be having second thoughts when you've got Josh Curran um, sitting next to him defensively. <laughs> I tell you, actually, another piece of news that came out yesterday is Josh Papali is out for three rounds. 
yeah. for the Raiders. And uh, I, that would make me start to look at the Titans. That market was pretty close anyway, but the Titans are slight outsiders. I wouldn't mind loading up on them. Well, you wouldn't have picked the Titans. You know, we spoke about that, Rick, last week on running it straight. We are on this afternoon from 2 o'clock about the, the change of coach, you know. Um, being, being sacked as the coaches do in the NRL, inevitably the teams come out and they put in a performance. Yeah, and you wouldn't have thought the Titans would beat the Broncos, but they went up there and they got that. And uh, yeah, man, the, the market at the moment with the NRL, you try, try your hardest to pick it. It's, it's so tough to pick. Great question from Cam, just quickly, because we're running out of time to get to Smithy. But Kempe, do you think those young Warriors juniors going to Aussie makes them better? And if they'd actually just stayed here, they wouldn't have got to that level? Uh Currently, yes, I think they do get better because they get coached better over there because we have a problem with the New Zealand Rugby League that doesn't work on our coaches. Mm. That's the that's the major issue. So, uh, yes, they do get better. They do come back better players. Thanks for all your text. Double eight, double three is the line when we come back. And Smith joins us seven away from nine.